Hello, my name is Ben Jenkins. Welcome back to another episode of the ACN Podcast, the official podcast of Australian College of Nursing. Over the next two episodes, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with our former CEO of the Australian College of Nursing and former Commonwealth Chief Nursing Midwifery Officer, Professor Deborah Toms. With a career that spans for more than 40 years, I didn't want to have to rush or, or gloss over important parts of Deborah's career. So instead, Deborah will be featured on two episodes. In this episode, part one, we learned all about Deborah's journey into nursing, her early career, and we finished with her transition into early leadership roles. These episodes are not to be missed. Uh, they have some incredible words of wisdom that nurses, midwives from all stages of their career can learn from. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Professor Deborah Toms. Deborah, welcome to the ACN podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Ben. Great to be here. It's fantastic to speak to a former ACN CEO. Yes, yeah. My goodness. A- and then moving on to the <laughs> Commonwealth Chief Nursing and Whippery Officer. There is so much that you've done throughout your career, and thank you so much for supporting ACN continuously as you have. No, that's fine. I, I, yeah, I must admit, I, for me, my career's been um, a wonderful experience. Fantastic, and I'd love to learn so much more about it because not only <laughs> have you spent time within metropolitan areas, you've moved on to rural settings, you've done nursing and midwifery, gone into positions of leadership and management for nursing as well as a bit more of a generalistic sort of fashion, as you'd say, and then moving all the way to the top, being the Commonwealth Chief Nursing Nursing and Midwifery Officer. So can't wait to learn all about your experiences. Thank you. (laughs) So to start with, Deborah, I'd love to learn a bit more about how you entered nursing. Um, When I I finished school in the mid-70s or early early to mid-70s, and um, it was probably a period of um, some change, and many of my, I went to a, a public girls' school and a number of my girlfriends were going off to do nursing and I sort of thought that's what I would do and some of my teachers were saying, no, no, you should go to university. Mm. Um, and so I was a bit undecided and I saw an ad in the paper one day for a combined degree program at Prince Henry, Prince of Wales Hospitals in Sydney and the University of New South Wales, which would allow me to do nursing and a degree at the same time. So I thought, oh, there we go, that'll do <laughs> Um, so I applied and got into that program and um, it was great. I think it provided me with a really good base for the rest of my career. Um, so that meant that I did, it was a five-year program. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, I did a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Psychology and I did nursing and then sat what was then the state final exams, as everybody did, um, at the end of the five-year period to graduate as a nurse with a BA. Now, I understand this was during a time where nurses were primarily trained within hospitals as well. So was that real divide yeah. between whether you're going to uni or you're going to be hospital-based? How did you find your experience? Yeah, it was um, that time. And I think the nurses that set this program up were looking to demonstrate that nurses could manage university as a prelude to, you know, getting um, nursing education into universities. Look, I found my hospital training... Um, it served me in good stead. I do think that, um, you know, it, there, there was a lot of repetition and um, you didn't always get all of the, the theory behind what you were doing. Um, it, it was how it was then, so you just did accepted it for what it was and went with it. Um, but I think that the demands, it, it was a very different time in healthcare. 
Um, and I think the demands that we have now in healthcare, um, you know, it, it's it's just so different. Um, mm. And but you know, look, I had really good experience there um, at those hospitals, and I think the 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 stuff I learned in my degree has been something that maybe I've not always been conscious of, but I've actually used quite a lot throughout mm. my career. 100%, because I know university teaches us a lot more than simply the what oh, yeah. they're trying to teach in terms of nursing. It's, it's got yep. to be able to, to research and critically think as well. Yep. So everything that yep. holds us in good stead to actually nurse. That's right. And I think that the fact that we majored in psychology, that that's, uh, that's a great um, thing for nurses to know a bit more about. And, of course, I moved more into managerial areas, so economics didn't go astray. Mm. Perfect. So set up exceptionally well. So tell me once you've... <laughs> finished that degree then and now you're starting mm. to enter into your first few years as a nurse whereabouts yeah. did you work i actually um, got a job back at prince henry hospital at little bay um i loved working out there it was just such a wonderful place to work i worked in cardiothoracic um surgery um and uh i really enjoyed that um i had a great team that we worked with i think we felt really valued and respected um and it was yeah uh, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed my time out there. And Prince Henry was such a fabulous location out there on the coast. Um, and, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was really neat. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And I, last, I did that for a uh, year, year, year and a half. And then I sort of thought, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah, <laughs> that, right. Got a bit of itchy feet, ready to move on. Yep. Yes, that's a bit of a feature of my career um, <laughs> is that I do move or I have moved. Um, yeah, so that's when I went bush. Can I ask you a really question, a quick question mm -hmm. before we transition into rural sort of setting and rural yep. nursing? When you mentioned that you're saying that you loved the, the nursing team around you, yeah. what exactly do you, did you love about it? I'm always interested to hear like in terms of working culture, what did yep. you love about that team? Um, well, we were a team. Um, we had a fabulous charge nurse, scary as, but, you know, a really, um, but she would back you. You always felt that she had your back. Um, and I think that, and your colleagues always supported each other. Now, we didn't work, I mean, the ward at Prince Henry was essentially a Nightingale ward. So um, patient allocation and things like that were not what you did. You worked more in teams. Um, so I think it was that supporting each other. You always knew that if something happened, that your colleagues were going to be there um, for you um, to help out. Um, and and even, I think, like our charge nurse was great, but the nursing um, administrators, um, they also, you knew them. Um, they knew you. Um, and, again, you felt really well supported right through the structure there. Um, we also had good support for development Um and really it was something that when I resigned from Prince Henry and I had an interview with the Director of Nursing and I had never thought about management at that point in time. I was, you know, still early in my career and it was, I've never forgotten that it was that Director of Nursing that said to me, you know, you really ought to think about supervisory positions, as the yeah, term right. was then. And I sort of looked at her and said, oh, really? Okay, fine. But it sort of stuck with me and it was interesting that that's sort of where I ended up. Absolutely. It's amazing how those mm. sort of what we could see at the time as sort of off comments, yeah. or something like that can, can lead into something a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. 
So then so, what made you transition across into that rural setting, Bendy? Well, I, um, I actually had an aunt who was a remote area nurse up in oh, the Northern okay. Territory and I had visited her on holiday and I thought, gee, this, this looks pretty interesting. And I think one of the things that's a feature of my career is that I, I'm someone that does like to feel challenged and that I'm probably being a bit stretched in what I do. And once I start to feel that I've got a lot of things under control, shall we say, as much as you do, um, I'm looking for that next challenge and opportunity. So I, um, I talked with her about remote nursing and thought that sounded pretty good. And so I just wrote a letter. I mean, in those days, you know, it would never happen now. I wrote a letter to the Northern Territory Government and said, here I am, I'm looking for a job, what have you got? They wrote back and said, here's these three places, none of which I'd ever heard of, and some of which I couldn't find on a map. Um, you can go to, go to whichever one of these three you like. And I looked at them and thought, well, that one's got two nurses. I think I might go to that one so that I've got somebody else with me, oh. not on my own. Were there ones there where you were going to be the only nurse? Oh, yeah, they were single nurse posts. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought, no, no, I don't think I should go there. I'll go to the one with the other person. Thanks very much. <laughs> what a great and decision. I just oh, that's my goodness. Yeah, I wrote back and said, yeah, I'd like to go to this place. And they said, fine, here you are. Turn up on this day, um, which I duly did for my orientation. <laughs> oh my goodness. So here you've yeah. come straight from... From a cardiothoracic unit. Yeah, in a metropolitan city and then moving straight across to a rural setting with two other nurses. With one other nurse. Oh, one other nurse. You were the other nurse. Oh, I was the other nurse. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, and we were. it was um, a place called Docker River, which is west of Ayers Rock over on the WA border. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's about an eight-hour drive in those days from Alice Springs. Um, and it was uh, we had a five-day orientation. Um, we, one of, we spent a whole day on vehicles because in those days, critical importance, no such thing as phones. We had to rely on two-way radio and, uh, and your vehicle was your lifeline. So um, we did learn a lot about, more about four-wheel drive mechanics than I probably ever wished or thought I would ever know. <laughs> what sort of patients were you seeing in that setting? So in that setting, um, look, it's primary health care. So um, we saw a lot of... Um, um, the diarrheal type diseases and we a lot of child health um you know um baby checks and um ensuring um their developing development was um occurring we saw a lot of venereal disease um a number of other infectious diseases at times mm. um scabies um infected ears chronic otitis media um look yeah, a really broad-based primary health care. Um, Absolutely. I mean, this was 1980. So, you know, people didn't have houses. They had one or two taps. We had a clinic and the clinic shower and laundry ran nonstop all day because that's where people could come and get a shower or where they could wash their clothes. Oh, um, wow. So a lot more than just a hospital then. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot more than just a hospital. Especially yeah. part of that community as well. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. Um, I learned a lot. I learned um, a lot about Aboriginal culture, particularly with the Pitadinjara people, Yunkadinjara and Pinnaby, who were the main groups living in, around that area at the time. And uh, um, they were very forgiving of my um, 
mistakes, my cultural mistakes at times and mm. would help me to learn the more appropriate way to do things. Um, so it was it was an, um, a, a fabulous experience. It was really challenging from a healthcare perspective. I, I, I was terrified, I think, for the first six months because I don't think I really thought I knew what I was doing. Mm. Um, but when I reflect on it, the basic core principles of nursing that I had learnt in my training were what stood me in good stead. Yeah. While I may not have known everything about all the diseases or whatever, um, I did have good basic um, nursing knowledge and skills, and that was really critical, and that, that stood me in good stead. I'd love to touch a little bit more on what you mentioned before when it comes to Indigenous and, and talking yeah. about some of the, the cultural aspects of nursing. What yeah. were some of the big takeaways that you still use today when it comes to catering for caring for those of Indigenous culture? Well, you need to listen. Mm. Um, you need to understand from their perspective. Um, you need to recognise the role that history has played in how people are today. Um, I think the other thing is to recognise that um, just like everybody else, one Indigenous person is not the same as the next Indigenous person. Um, they all have their own individuality. Um, they come from different uh, parts of the country. They have um, some different views and beliefs. At the time when I was there, we still used a lot of traditional medicine um, and used nunkaries. Um, and we both basically had the two sorts of medicine running side by side. And I think that um, there, there's a lot that we don't always well understand about traditional um, Indigenous medicine that's actually is very useful in care and and people should if there is someone um in the in the community that offers to provide advice and that from an indigenous traditional healer perspective they should be embraced and listened to mm. um but and i think that it is not to be frightened to ask how should i go about this or um have i you know let me know if i'm not doing this in a, in a culturally acceptable way because you don't always know exactly how to go about things. Um, Seems like communication is key. Communication is key and, and listening and really hearing um, and, and taking on board what you're being told. Absolutely. So for junior nurses now, I guess any nurse at any stage yeah. of their career, what, what do you see are the benefits of spending some time going rural and what are some of the big lessons that they might take away look i think some of the things i think rural and or remote um depending where you are in your career but um is where you really get to practice to your full scope you get to use all that knowledge and skills that you get in your undergraduate degree um in practice um look you get you learn if you really want to specialize and there's certain things that you get in the metro big metro hospitals but um, which is equally valid and important. Mm. But I think that particularly early maybe in a person's career, if you really want to get that broad nursing um, uh, practice, that rural is where you get it. You get opportunities to do things that you probably won't get in other settings. Um, and it, it's very challenging. It's really challenging work, but it's really rewarding work. Um, you're often in smaller communities, so you really get to know people. You develop relationships with the community, which also means that you can influence and enable other aspects of care in more in terms of preventative health and health promotion, 
it's not always as easy when you're in um, large teaching hospitals and places like that. Absolutely. But, yeah, I think it's great. And then you also have other organisations that can come in and, and retrieve those patients for you, being Royal Flying Doctor Service and, and things yes. like that. So, yep, yes, uh, yes. Interconnected. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, I used to say that I think maybe it was because it was we were working remote that I probably have greater had greater connection professionally and in terms of CPD and things like that when I worked remote than when I worked in the city. Um, and whether it's because you are remote, you think I'm really going to make sure I don't miss out. Mm. <laughs> and when you're in the city, you sort of think, oh, next, I'll, I'll get that next time. And you just next time slips away. Um, I don't know what it is, but I felt very connected when I worked in the in the Territory. And because we didn't have phones and we had the radio system, um, there were a couple of skeds or schedules a day where we would um, talk to all, where all the other health centres in the centre would come online and you would hear what, what was happening in other little communities and with your colleagues in other places. So even though you often only saw each other once every three or six months, you could hear each other every day. And so you felt really connected. And that, that was, I actually think, was really, was a really good support mechanism, I suppose. Absolutely. What do you see are some of the challenges that we're still facing today when it comes to, to rural and remote nursing and, and what are some of the things that uh, are sort of pushing for the future? I think that there's, you know, it's still a challenge with um, nurses um, perhaps taking that interest and feeling confident to go and work in rural okay. and also in the cap capacity sometimes of rural health services to provide them with an appropriate level of support when they first move into a rural setting, mm. um, particularly for newly registered or relatively novice nurses. I think, you know, there's obviously a need for some support in those first few months um, and not everywhere has that capacity to do that at the moment. Um, and, I, but I look and, you know, we know that if people experience rural, there's a fair percentage of them will say that's actually where I want to go and work. But if you've never been out there, it's a bit of an unknown. Mm. Um, and so I would encourage people to take the plunge um, and, and make the move. And you'll discover some great communities, um, great opportunities for work, um, really be challenged and utilise everything that you've, you've learnt. Absolutely. So at what stage then do you decide to move away from that setting? Well, I worked, I, I sort of did a few different things in the centre. I was in the Northern Territory about six and a half years in all. So I, I then came into town. I did a bit of, we used to have what was called a regional nurse educator. So I used to organise the in-services and orientations for new rural remote nurses and, and ongoing educational, you know, in-service for the ones that were there. Um, did a bit of, relieved a bit in what was in those days called aeromedical, which is the equivalent of RFDS, mm. did a bit on the planes, a um, bit on mobiles where we used to travel um, out, um, do a big three or four day trip around to lots of stations and little communities. And then I went to um, Catherine and uh, took up a role there of what they used to call the area matron. So it was like for the rural, so the remote um, services, the overarching nurse administrator, basically, okay. based in Catherine. Um, so I did that for a while. Um, and then I went to Darwin and did my midwifery oh. while I was there. I sort of thought maybe I should. 
maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give it off. Where you had to, to pull on the support of midwives in that rural setting? Were there women out in these rural communities? Obviously uh, oh, having yeah. Babies and... There were. And yeah. um, uh, when I was out at Docker River, the other nurse there was also a midwife, so she handled most of the midwifery cases. Um, when I was at Ayers Rock, we didn't have a lot of pregnancy we didn't have a lot of midwifery cases there. People tended to go back to other homelands. Um, it was mainly tourist tourists there. Mm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, generally, I except when I was at Ayers Rock, which was a single nurse post at that time, the other places were posts where there was at least two of you and the other person generally had midwifery, which was very handy. Um, <laughs> Seems like such an essential skill to have when you're very isolated. Yeah, and uh, certainly, ideally, they um, in those days in, they did look for people that had both general and mid. But I think, you know, when I applied for a job, they were pretty desperate. Um, where and nowadays they very much look for people to have both general and mid um, who are going remote. Um, so yeah, I mean, I and. I mean, we were taught the basics of antenatal care, I suppose, um, but it was very basic. And we had a medical visit once every six weeks. So if we had pregnant women, um, the um, visiting, the district medical officer would see them when he came if, mm. and follow up. But, um, yeah, it was, it is, it would have certainly been uh, more comforting, shall we say, and probably better for the community if I'd had midwifery from the get-go. Um, but anyway, I eventually got around to it. <laughs> so once you have obtained those skills then after you mm. received your training as a midwife, yep. I'm guessing the whole perspective of, of where you're working would, would have just changed. Did you feel like you've been got new tools for your tool belt, I guess you'd say? Yeah, I think that certainly um, gained a, a whole set of new skills and a different um, uh, perspective on um, certain aspects of care. I didn't then go on and practice a lot as a midwife um, at that point. Um, and really, I, I finished midwifery and I went back to Catherine to my job, my area uh, matron job. Okay. And then I went up to Darwin into, a, uh, into the hospital there as a, um, what did we call them? Adons. Um, and so I wasn't clinically practicing midwifery um, straight after I finished my training. Um, but I think... I found I've been very pleased that I did midwifery and it did change my perspective on midwifery because mm. when I did my general we had as part of our program we had to go for I think it was two months to what was the Crown Street Women's Hospital and I hated it I thought it was awful and I said to my friends that's it I'm not going anywhere near that midwifery stuff so some of them found it highly amusing that I did midwifery later <laughs> And even more amusing when I ended up at the Royal Hospital for Women. Um, but um, it did, it, I, I gained so much, I gained such a better understanding of what midwifery was about. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I had had in my two months in my general was really, um, a bit, gave me a very skewed picture, <laughs> I mm. suppose. So it was good imagine. to get that straightened out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine now that you've done that, now you've gained these extra skills and this new perspective, that would have set you up exceptionally well for all these other positions that you've gone on to completing now, especially yeah, being somewhere like the Commonwealth Chief Nursing Midwifery Officer. But, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it has. I mean, I, 
I, I, I do think ideally if you're in those roles and you have um, responsibilities that relate to both professions, that ideally you should have knowledge of both. Mm. Absolutely. So then you've then started to make that transition, as you're sort of mentioning, into those ADON roles, yeah. assistant director yeah. of nursing type roles. How yeah. did you find that transition from clinical bedside nursing into more of that managerial leadership type position? Yeah. I don't think you ever get over missing bedside nursing. Um, but I, I suppose I shifted my, my view then was key part of my role then became about enabling bedside nurses to, to deliver the best care they could, to mm. trying to be deal with the management administrative issues that might be getting in their way um, to create an environment that would be enabling of them in the delivery of care. Um, I've always felt that that's, as a manager, no matter what role, that that is really my key responsibility, is about creating um, either systems or change or environments that's about enabling nurses to practise to their fullest scope and to be able to do what they are educated to do. Mm. Um, and look, they're different challenges. Um, and I, I never, you know, you miss bedside nursing, but I, I had other challenges and um, I, I, I suppose I, I've never, I, I didn't and I never have spent a lot of time thinking about that. It was just, this is what I did. Because <laughs> even now as a junior nurse, so Deborah, this is my third year yeah. as a registered nurse now. Yeah. I mean, as I'm watching on the floor, just say, for example, in, in the emergency department, mm. I was watching a lot of the, the nurses that I was working next to are all suddenly got into more of those uh, more sort of leadership positions on the floor. And, yeah. then, and no matter who it was, it it's always seems to be something that is an exceptionally challenging and stressful time within their career because it's such a different entity in itself. Yeah. Management and leadership on the floor and then getting into more mm -hmm. into the offices, it seems such a separate field that, uh, yeah, it, everyone seems to struggle and, and it's not, not very hard. How did you find that transition personally? I, look, I, I found it okay. And, and in some respects, I, I think that having done my BA early and, and some of the things I'd learned in that, um, but also, um, I think I think these days the demands that are placed on some of those managers we didn't have that same level of demand on us mm. when I was doing it. I do think that it has got somewhat uh, more challenging for people, particularly the numb role or whatever mm. it's called, wherever you are. Um, you know, I've, I've been known to say, what other industry? put someone in charge of anywhere from 40 to 100 staff, gives them a, a budget of millions of dollars and doesn't give them a whole team of people to support them in doing it. I mean, no, you, you wouldn't go into BHP or somewhere like that and have a manager managing that sort of having that level of responsibility without them having at least um, a couple of administrative people to help them out. That's right. I, I just find it it's been a... That is one of the things I think I, I've seen that I, and I continue to see in healthcare that I think why, why is it that we can't seem to, to get past this? We have such high expectations of 
unit managers around the quality of care and the standard of practice and as well we want them to manage everything that moves in terms of staffing and and goods and services and budget and we we wonder why why people don't think it's an overly attractive job at times mm. sort of like yeah right think about that for a minute um you know it, it's they are very difficult jobs and there's huge demands on people and I think when I moved into some of those sorts of roles, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. Um, it was, I don't know. I mean, patients stayed in hospital longer. Things didn't turn over so fast. You you didn't have the volume of admissions and discharges every day that you have now. Mm. Um, the whole pace was a bit slower. Really? In, saying, in saying everything you've said now, do you see there being value in sort of like an implementation of a almost a state-based program that can help that transition? Because it seems at the moment from from even the little tiny specs of, that I've seen from being such a junior nurse mm. that it's almost like, oh, one day you're, you're on the floor and then the very next day off you go, you now you've got the phone and you're doing a bit of a, a, a yeah. shadow task with someone and then, oh, then there you go, away you go. So it's... It's like it's, it almost seems like you need some sort of formal program in place in order to make that transition happy easier. But then um, well, I don't really understand because I'm only just brand new. But well, no, well, but I mean, I think you, we do need to make those things more transparent because people like yourself might want to think about that as part of your career path. But it's hard to think about it if you don't really have any good information on which to make a decision. Um, I think uh, for me, one of the things I think is that as a profession we very much valued expertise in clinical practice and um, and we look for people to have relevant qualifications in those sorts of specialty areas um, as they move through their career. I'm not sure that as a profession we have equally valued management and recognise the body of knowledge and the skills that sit behind a good manager and leader and that therefore we should be looking for people who are displaying some of those qualities and and in and supporting them and encouraging them to get relevant education so that when they do start to move into some of these roles they've got the uh, an appropriate educational background as well as you know the the practice the experiential end of having worked in a unit or whatever mm. um look it's funny you say do we need a program or something when i was chief nurse in new south wales we did a project called take the lead um, and actually the current chief nurse of the Northern Territory, Sue Hawes, was the project officer who largely did the work. Mm. Um, and this was all about identifying what the learning needs were, trying to put in place some education to clarify the role. And one of the things we did do was get some recognition for the administrative workload and get the clinical support officer role established in New South Wales Health. So... You know, I think Sue and I are both very proud that we managed to do that, whether it's continued to work as well as we would like is another matter. Um, but we did have a, a statewide educational program uh, working with health services around these are the sorts of skills and capabilities that NUMS need. This is the sort of... Uh, we did a um, generic or broad-based job description, which uh, I know Sue, only in the last few years, she said to me, someone from Canada found it and said, can oh. we use it? So apparently it was of use. Yeah. Um, and look, we had some really good feedback about that program at the time because one of the things we found when we initially surveyed um, the nursing unit managers in New South Wales 
was that the vast majority of them had their entry-level qualification as their highest qualification. Mm. And, you know, we both looked at each other and said, oh, well, that, that's probably not good enough. We, should, we, need to, we need to provide people with the tools. I mean, we can't expect people to do jobs if we don't give them the right tools. Absolutely. And part of that is education. So we set about trying to address some of that. And, um, and I think um, from, you know, I've been in New South Wales for a while now, but they have had follow-on programs from that. Mm. So, you know, that, and I know Queensland at about the same time was doing something similar mm. and Catholic Healthcare also did something similar. Um, and they, they were doing work about supporting and, and looking at that middle, that nursing unit manager role. And so that was done. Some years ago, um, I don't know that it, it, it may well be needed again, um, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a constant challenge, I think, some of these things. And what, would, what sort of advice would you provide to these junior nurses who are entering into these positions using your experience of obviously helping develop these programs as well mm. as going through it yourself? Yep. What sort of uh, advice would you provide to them? Well, I think identify some sort of maybe a grad dip or a grad cert or something to start off with that's in mm -hmm. either nursing or health management, something like that. But I think the other thing is to maybe identify um, a nurse who's in a fairly senior nurse, maybe in management roles, who you believe exemplifies what you think, what a good leader and manager should be, and see if they would agree to be your mentor. Um, they can be very lonely jobs at times. And I think it's really valuable to have someone that you can talk to, that you can ask for advice, um, that can, you know, that you can engage in some critical reflection with about things that you've done or strategies you've applied. Um, but I think it it's really valuable if you can find someone that you can have those open conversations with um, and who can maybe point you in a direction for what you might like to try as well as starting to look at that formal education um, that'll also give you another set of skills. So within your career, did you have a particular mentor that you looked up to who was providing you some sort of advice and, and what um, sort of lessons yeah, did you take away from them? Yeah, interesting that. I, I never formally established mentor relationships with any one particular person, but I am conscious that at various points in my career, I've had sort of my go-to person that when I was feeling a bit overwhelmed or didn't quite know what to do or had a really bad day, um, that I could go to and talk to. Um, and one of the first ones was actually the social worker in our community health team when I worked in at Manning Base Hospital um, in Taree. Um, I used to just ring her up and go for coffee and, um, and we would talk through whatever my latest issue was. Um, and so I think there have been people at various points in my career that I have used in that way and that have provided me with that support. Um, and at a later point in my career when I was in a CEO role, I was a member of a group called the Executive Connection, which is a, a um, group which actually provides you with a, with a mentor. And that was an excellent um, uh, system as well. And that, that person was someone from an industry completely outside health yeah, right. um, but a really experienced senior manager who um, kept me on task you could say was a great sounding board but when I'd reached okay this is what I would need to do 
would check in that I didn't chicken out, um, that, you know, if there was a hard decision that I had to enact, that I actually had followed through and, and done whatever I needed to do. Um, so, and I think the other thing is in those roles, um, it's also important to celebrate success and remember that, you know, it's very easy to see the negative all the time. Absolutely. Um, and and sometimes you, you need to remember to to sit there and reflect and think actually we did achieve that thing over there and um and that was good and we should recognize that 100 deborah i think we've uh we've captured your early part of your career exceptionally mm-hmm. well and as we're about to transition into more of your uh almost non-clinical sort of settings as well getting a bit more into your area ceos and executive mm-hmm. director for hospital services i think that's a different topic altogether so i might actually just stop this episode here and then come back sure. for a part two okay no worries ben <laughs> 